0: Good to be back on the air again. It's only been a couple weeks, months. It feels like a lifetime. But anyways, uh, this is DJ Aisha. Uh, glad to be back with you guys. Today's kind of a special show. If you're just tuning in, um, the itinerary for today is uh, a couple news stories. Um, music news is what we like to focus on in the beginning of the program, and then after that, um, we might be hearing some interviews. Uh, we have a lot of uh, good. Uh, what do you call it, 40th anniversary punk shows coming up. Uh, Tonight uh, is one of the first of many. It's Flipper is playing a sold-out show at the Great American Music Hall. And I was lucky enough to catch Steve, their drummer, uh, yesterday. So you're going to be hearing an interview uh, that we did then. Um, I'm going to be, you're going to hear a little bit about, uh, from Teresa and Pleasant Gammon, um who were journalists back uh, during the punk days, uh, they ran a fanzine called Lobotomy. Uh, you might have heard of it. I know I did. Um, yeah, back before you know the internet kind of got to the point that it is now. I remember you know reading articles about how great the fanzines were back in the day and now it's kind of making a comeback actually so it was a really interesting uh, two-part conversation with those ladies they're going to be participating in a forum called war stories at the swedish hall and that's going to be next week on july 19th so you want to get your tickets for that And then, last but not least, did an interview with uh, Chip Kinman. Uh, He's part of uh, the Dills. And um, they have reformed and have been playing some shows. And they're going to be doing a 40th anniversary uh, dedicated to a venue that used to be here in San Francisco called The Temple Beautiful. So you're going to want to definitely stay tuned for that interview, which will be uh, airing in the next hour or so. And if you're just tuning in, this is Sounds from the Street. Ideally, I'm here every week, um, but you might want to stay tuned, and I'll fill you in on what I've been up to the past couple weeks. It's been interesting. <laughs> but anyways, without further ado, we got a lot to, to get through today, so we'll get started. Uh, this is from TheEnemy.com. Uh, there was a story that he posted earlier Uh, Where Liam Gallagher is eating soup with a fork in his most surreal dig at Brother Noel yet And this is kind of an ongoing thing if you guys didn't know uh, the saga continues Uh, Liam Gallagher shared a video of himself eating soup with a fork in a new surreal dig at Brother Noel You can watch the video below. I haven't actually watched it yet. Probably should do that The video appears to reference Noel's insult of Liam from 2009 in which Noel branded him a man with a fork in a world of Soup. The former Oasis and BDI frontman has also seemingly waded into the debate surrounding Knowles' scathing comments on Scotland in a recent interview where he branded it a third world country. Wow. Liam thanked fans for buying tickets for his upcoming tour in the video before bagpipes began to play he then described Scotland as a beautiful country Liam said I want to thank all my brothers and sisters for buying tickets for the tour I really appreciate it you've made a very so called angry man very very happy I love you all and I'll see you soon by the way Scotland is a beautiful country I happen to agree the people are magnificent get yourself up there I am he, you are he you are me And we are all together The high-flying birds frontman Made the remarks about Scotland And his ongoing war of words With Scottish singer-songwriter Louis Capaldi uh, Who's that? Which has seen him Comparing the Glasgow singer To Star Wars character Chewbacca <laughs> Noel told Variety, Fucking Chewbacca should enjoy his fifteen minutes. The greatest day of his life that I slagged him off or called him an idiot. It's the greatest day of his fucking life so far. He's just thinking, Wow, well I know you're Scottish and all that, but fucking hell. It's like a third world country, but for fuck's sake, man, you must have had a better day than this. Surely. Noel's comments later saw popular Scottish fizzy drink Ian Brew Dean Noel cancelled following the remarks. While the pair are yet to meet, a chance encounter almost took place yesterday after both Capaldi and Gallagher played Madrid's mad cool festival. Oh, I've been seeing that on Instagram. Describing his hopes for a meeting, uh, Capaldi admitted, I'd love to see him and give him a big hug and a big kiss. I'm sure he'd love it. Meanwhile, Liam's tour of the UK this November sold out almost immediately after tickets were released yesterday, July 12th. His upcoming tour dates are below, and if you guys didn't know and you live in the Bay Area, um, he's going to be opening for The Who in September at a new arena that's going to be opening called the Chase Center. No idea what that's about, but they are going to have some, you know, retro acts playing there. Elton John, Cher, Dave Matthews Band. (laughs) So I guess you want to check that out. And let's see. I usually get my news stories from enemy.com, just in case you're wondering. Uh, Here's another one about the Mad Cool Festival that has to do with the Prophets of Rage, and I just want to say I've seen them uh, about three years ago when they first got together. Absolutely fantastic. Definitely worth checking out if you're a fan of Rage Against the Machine, um, if you're into Cypress Hill, uh, of course, Public Enemy. Uh, Definitely want to check them out. Um, Like I said, had the pleasure of seeing them live. Uh, What a trip. (laughs) And also I saw Cypress Hill a few weeks ago, which was just... I just thought somebody sent me back to the 90s and I was, you know, uh, growing up in the 90s. So I felt like a kid again. but it was it was an interesting audience too it wasn't like i don't normally go to hip-hop shows in the bay area or los angeles but it was definitely you know something very nostalgic about it but in a really good way so glad that i got to check that out anyways prophets of rage an epic performance from the supergroup, and again this is from enemy.com Prophets of Rage have debuted their recent single, Made with Hate, live at Mad Cool Festival in Madrid. You can watch footage of the moment below. Made With Hate was the first new music from the supergroup which features members of none other than Rage Against the Machine, Public Enemy, and Cypress Hill since last summer Speaking about the song back in June, Public Enemy figurehead Chuck D said As with many songs, Made With Hate was formed out of a conversation amongst ourselves About the level of passion fuel it takes to create, especially when attacking something of hate He continued, you must create the energy to hate hate, to have peace, you have to despise hatred with a passion for peace and attack it. You can't have hate take over anything, especially history. So you have to fuel yourself to attack in thought word and deed with equal passion. Now, the band have performed the song for the first time live at Mad Cool during their set this evening, July 13th. You can see footage of that and other moments from the set along with images and more reaction below. A lot of different posts from people. Looks like it was an awesome festival. I've heard about it over the years, but of course, you know, Glastonbury and some of the the bigger ones get a lot of coverage. But the smaller ones, I'm telling you, even here in the Bay Area, those are the ones that you want to go to because honestly, those are where the real music fans are just saying. Anyways, um, give people a little bit more time to tune in. Uh, if they haven't already, you're going to be hearing some great interviews today. Uh, Flipper, The Dills, uh, Teresa Courix, and F- uh, Pleasant Gemmin, uh who are the co-creators of Lobotomy Magazine. And I just want to fill you in and get in case you guys were wondering where the hell I was for the past couple weeks. Well, just so you know, about a month ago, I volunteered at the Equal Rights Advocates uh, Gala luncheon, and the speaker there was Valerie Jarrett. Uh, uh, You might have heard her on the news recently over the past couple of years. Uh, She was one of President Obama's senior advisors. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, You know, we got to set up for the event, kind of ushering people who support the organization and uh, then we got to meet her at the end of the uh, the gala and have her sign her book. So that was, you know, something you know very memorable. I have to say. So anytime you get the opportunity to volunteer in your community, I definitely recommend it. It's, it's a good experience. And let's see, the day after that I went to the Fono del Sol Music Festival. That was kind of high on my list. Unfortunately, the weather wasn't that great. I went um, this was on a Saturday, so instead of doing the show, I was like, I'm just going to check out some local music. But unfortunately, the weather was strike number one. Strike number two was the second stage that they had. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Petrero del Sol, and they have a little amphitheater which is great. That's where the main acts play but they had a second stage with uh the way that the board the sound guy was kind of blocking the stage which they hadn't done two years ago so I was kind of I don't know turned off by that but anyway saw a few bands had a great experience you know we'll see we'll see what happens it's always different though when it's free versus having to pay to get in so We'll see. uh, Let's see what happens in 2020, just around the corner. Then the week after that, I went to the big comedy festival. You guys might have heard of it here in the Bay Area. Clusterfest uh, was in its third year, and a lot of big names were there this year. Patton Oswalt, um, some of the comedian guys might have heard of. Leslie Jones was also there. Uh, John Mulaney. Um, Never thought I would see some big names like that at Clusterfest, but um, it was interesting because apparently some people said that they waited four hours in line to see John Mullaney. We waited two hours, but we were lucky enough to have media passes, so that definitely helped get into some of the the smaller, you know, more improv sketch type shows. Um, I learned a lot about some of the, not just kind of the, the old school comedians, but some of the up and coming things like stuff that Fred Armisen is working on, like Los Spookies. I need a brush up on my Spanish there. So I'm looking forward to checking that out. Um, he's been, I don't know, Fred Armisen is just killing it. So, and he hasn't been in SNL for for quite a while. So definitely props to that guy. And if you're a fan of Portlandia, um, uh, Sleater Kinney just got back together and they're going to be doing a massive tour. So that'll be cool to hopefully catch carry um if you get a chance to do that i think some of the shows are actually sold out so you definitely want to you know get your tickets get your tickets and let's see Oh, and then I, w- I <laughs> was able to go see Judas Priest. Who who would have thought? Uh, they were playing down the street at the Warfield, and that was also an experience. I uh, was able to kind of uh, work my way into a seat that I didn't necessarily pay for, uh, ran into um, an old guest of the show. Um, hats off to him. I uh, hadn't seen him in a couple of years, so it's apparently he loves to go to metal shows, and um, I need to go to more metal shows, apparently. Some of the old school, you know, like Black Sabbath is still together. Um, Deep Purple's going to be playing, so I'm like, I am ready for this. This is classic shit, guys. So um, definitely... Go check them out while you can. I was supposed to see Judas Priest and Deep Purple last year. So this is making up for it. Totally worth the, the $35 or whatever it costs. Definitely worth it. So memorable. So epic. Um, who Who knows what will happen in the future. So already taken place and let's see oh yes and then last weekend um was Burger Boogaloo and uh that one you might hear a few uh inspirational <laughs> tracks in the upcoming set list later we'll see if we have time but um yeah Burger Bo- Boogaloo is actually gotten so great over the years I remember uh, my friend uh, Johnny and I he's a designer slash uh, graphic designer slash illustrator definitely look him up on Facebook he's got some great a great portfolio And uh, so anyways, he's been going with me the past few years or so. We kind of took two years off. Um, 2014 was the first time we went. Ronnie Spector was, uh, you know, headlining on a Sunday. So that was definitely something we didn't want to miss. And then we missed about two years, 2015, 2016. 2017 was freaking amazing. Iggy Pop and the Buzzcocks were the two headliners so that was you know kind of an epic comeback and I just felt like there were a lot more people that year and it's kind of grown ever since and then 2018 was Devo and The Damned and we were so amazed when people were losing their shit during Devo I mean I don't know I've seen Devo twice and the first time I just didn't get that from the crowd but who knows Who knows what I was doing the first time around? I remember. And then the second time was like, oh, yes, we're we're all in it together, you know. Um, But yeah, this year was uh, bands that I had heard of in the past, but never really... You know, a lot of them get together for these festivals now or do their their comebacks or whatever. So it's it's kind of amazing when you when you get a chance to experience somebody like the scientists or nobody is somebody who's played every year. And I don't think I'd had a chance to see him. The Phantom Surfers. Had heard of them, never really thought I would see them live. Derv Gordon from The Equals was absolutely fantastic, R- really gonna study his back catalog there. And then uh, seeing Jesus and Mary Chain, uh, that was pretty amazing as well. I think. I had missed them the past few times that they had been here, but they, I think, just recently started making music again, so that's the other thing to keep in mind. Even if they get back together, they don't necessarily have new music released, uh, but... Uh, luckily for us, uh, they did, <laughs> and we stayed. Uh, Johnny and I saw them twice. We saw them on Saturday and Sunday, which was kind of interesting. Was like, oh, it would have been cool to have, you know, more head another headliner. But we'll see what happens next year. And again, it was Burger Boogaloo's tenth anniversary. So congratulations! There's a lot of anniversaries happening. Burger Boogaloo tenth anniversary, uh, Flipper fortieth anniversary, Dill's fortieth anniversary. And um, I haven't really talked about war stories that much, but um, you definitely want to buy your tickets because Jane Weedland from the Go-Go's is going to be there. Wow. Uh, (laughs) I saw the Go-Go's with my mom, uh, I think it was back in 2005 at the House of Blues in Los Angeles, and that was... Frickin' fantastic. Um, I think they play here and there. I think they said they were retiring, but it seems like they actually aren't. So you never know. And uh, there's going to be some other people there. Chip Kinman from the Dills, he'll be talking it talking it up at War Stories. And Teresa Crick is uh, Pleasant Gemin will be there. Peter Case, I heard, will be there as well. And that's going to be happening July 19th, this coming Friday, at the Swedish Hall, which I've been to handful of times. It's right next to Café du Nord. It's pretty easy to get to on Muni. A little bit of a trek from BART, but definitely you can Lyft or Uber and figure it out. But definitely you want to attend some of these things. Uh, you kind of just want to get the feel for what it was like, you know, in the 70s. And I mean, I was telling Teresa and Pleasant, you'll hear it in the interview that I was like, you were pretty much doing what I've been trying to do, you know, in my era, except now there's a lot more access to technology. So it's easy to kind of record things, get the word out there, that sort of thing. Whereas I think back then, There's a lot of manual entry going on, a lot of manual labor. So we kind of forget that and take that for granted. But um, I could really see some parallels there between what they were doing, uh, what I'm trying to do here in San Francisco. And I want to plead with you to uh, follow my, uh, not Instagram. Well, you could follow my Instagram if you want, at DJ Aisha. And that's also my Twitter handle. And on Facebook... Uh, at sounds from the street sf uh there's a bitly link if you would like to donate Um, i do have a a t-shirt store in the works i've already posted some of those t-shirts on ebay just to test them out so if you guys want to check it out just type in sounds from the street when you're (laughs) ebay.com and you'll see those but um yeah definitely uh, check out sounds from the street on facebook DJ Aisha on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, the money that you donate uh, won't necessarily go all to me. It's to help out with things here at the station. Uh, we needed to buy a new computer recently, and you know how that can be. Um, all those, those little things, they start to add up. So definitely donate if you can. And I know I've been doing a lot of talking, so I'm going to go ahead and queue uh, up an interview for you. I think we should go with the Steve interview from Flipper since they're going to be playing a sold out show tonight at the Great American Music Hall. So stay tuned for that.
1: Are you still with me? Yes, I am. Perfect. Awesome. Well, we were just chatting about uh, the show that you did last night in San Jose. It sounds like, like it went well. And um, you have a few other shows coming up. Uh, in particular, you're going to be playing at the Great American Music Hall uh, tomorrow evening. That's going to be a hoot.
2: Yes, that will be a hoot. For sure. <laughs>
3: um,
2: got all of our old friends coming out from the old days and stuff. It's going to be great. So, Yay. you know, uh, we just found out yesterday that the show officially sold out. Oh, so awesome. So if people, if people want to catch Flipper this time around, mm-hmm. um, we are playing in Sacramento tonight. So that might be... Uh-huh. We did San Jose last night. That's over and done. So um, yes. anybody who mm-hmm. wants to come see us might have to make the trip up to Sacramento.
1: Gotcha. And so it's not we're, playing at the, we're
2: playing at, the, we're playing at the, <laughs> blue, uh, the blue lamp. We're playing at the uh-huh. blue lamp uh, in Sacramento. Sacramento's mm-hmm. 90 miles from, you know, San Francisco, Oakland, Berkeley. Yeah. Um, and if you leave early enough, uh, you can beat the traffic. And... Uh, what time is this gonna to air? Tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. Oh, yeah. all right. Well, never mind. No worries. Um, no worries.
1: They well can, then. Um, um, yeah.
2: <laughs> they, can, they can
1: always check, um, you know, setlist.fm. Sometimes I like to see what, can, what songs we, they play. There.
2: <laughs> what's that? What's that
1: again? If they want to see like the setlist from the previous you know, show and they want to compare it and contrast. That's the thing now, apparently. I don't know if you've ever okay. looked at that. But... No.
2: Oh, there's set list. Okay. Well, we're yeah. doing the same set list, so it's not going to be, you know, anything. Okay. That, uh... But anyway, um, so, well, <laughs> let me just tell you how things have been going. Things have been going great. Um, mm-hmm. the anniversary tour has been going just amazingly well and, uh, Mm-hmm. All the shows have been really, really well attended. Some of them have been sold out. Others are just, you know, pretty packed and well attended. And uh, yeah. the crowds are more enthusiastic than ever. Tons of people are coming out that have never had a chance to see us before. Nice. And uh, we're making tons of great friends across the country, new friends, seeing old friends. Mm-hmm. It's been it's been great. The San Francisco show is going to be incredible. Um, and... We are really excited for that one. Um, of course, you know, lots of our friends are coming out and stuff. and It's the hometown show, and um, so it's going to be great.
1: Right on. And The Next and Frightwick, who actually came into the studio a few weeks ago, uh, they're going to be opening. And how did that come into this yeah. really? sense?
2: <laughs> well, um, Brightwig, actually, uh, when I started this particular show together and I started thinking about uh, support bands and who to play with, Brightwig was kind of the first band that came to mind. Um, wanted to pull them back in and because we used to play with them back in the 80s and whatnot. And, you know, they were always a really fun, cool band. And our bass player, Rachel, used to be with them. And so there's all those connections. And I um, Deanna and myself have been talking about trying to put the show together uh, with both of us for a while now, for a couple of years, and you know, and um, uh, uh, you know, so finally, it's uh, all the kind of pieces came together, and um, so yeah, I mean, before I can even ask, well, no, actually, I did. I reached out to Deanna and asked her what was going on with them, if they would, if they were, if they would consider reforming since they lost. Their drummer Cecilia, yeah. and um, Cecilia passed away, I guess, a couple of years ago. And um, mm-hmm. anyway, mm-hmm. I, um, yeah. uh, you know, I asked her, and she said, "Oh, yeah, you know, we're uh, talking about that now." So anyway, it all came together, <laughs> and uh, and then, of course, um, our friend Jimmy Crucifix from, uh, formerly a Crucifix, and the next, um,
3: mm-hmm. the
2: next mm-hmm. was a band that he had before Crucifix. And, uh, of course, we played with Crucifix many times over the years. And, um, but the next was uh, something that he's revived and is out playing with. So we invited him to come along um, on the show. And so anyway, and also we've never played Great American Music Hall before, and that's uh, one of those venues that uh, <laughs> is pretty special in San Francisco.
1: Absolutely. And I uh,
2: really wanted to, I wanted to play that that venue so i've been to shows there and i love that Mm -hmm. place it's got so much history and it's so beautiful and you know we just uh wanted to play there so we can check that one off the list and um (laughs) we're getting that one done so yeah it's going to be fantastic it's going to be great it's going to be a big party
1: nice (laughs) so many levels to that and um what time do you guys kick the stage uh tomorrow?
2: I believe we take the stage at 10. I think it's 10.30. Okay. That's
1: yeah. Really I, bu-
2: I believe there's a midnight, there's a curfew. I believe there's a midnight curfew there. Oh, okay. um, If I'm not mistaken. And so, that sounds right. mm-hmm. I believe, yeah, I believe we take the stage at 12.30 and we will definitely push it all the way to midnight. <laughs> we have some special stuff um, uh, planned. Uh we're going to have a couple of great saxophone players joining us on Sex oh, Bomb, and we have our buddy Bruno joining us on a second guitar um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for the last for the last two songs. And we're going to pull out a surprise song that's an old San Francisco favorite from back in the day.
3: Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm.
2: It'll be a big sing along, and you know, usually we like to get our fans up on stage for Sex Bomb, and they're all dancing around and having a good time. So. Uh, just do one, <laughs> do me one favor, and don't smash into the drum kit like you always do every night. <laughs>
1: um, it's part of the routine. So,
2: yeah, but uh, anyway, it's it's, it's all going to be great.
1: That's awesome. Well, it's going to be really exciting. Uh, I'm sure everyone's looking forward to it. And um, if you don't mind letting people know in case they tune in and have never heard of Flipper, what was kind of the catalyst for you guys, you know, back in the 70s to form a group? Well,
2: we were all involved in the music scene, in the pop scene in San Francisco, um, 1977, 78, 79. Um, Mm -hmm. I was formerly in a band called Negative Trend with Will Shatter, also from Flipper. We were both in Negative Trend in Mm -hmm. 1978. And then that band disbanded, and uh, Will and I got involved with Ted Falcone in, in Flipper. And mm-hmm. um, we originally had, it was a community of musicians, so there was a lot of mix and match, you know, uh, leave this band, join that band going on. And um, so we originally had uh, Ricky uh, Williams as our first singer, who was had come from a band called The Sleepers, mm-hmm.
0: uh, a
2: great San Francisco band and um, you know he lasted about six months and then we moved on to Bruce Luce who joined us and um, he was with us you know for pretty much all the way up through uh, 2012 was the last time Bruce was able to tour with us unfortunately he was in a an accident where he broke his back and uh, that was back in Uh, 1994 and Mm -hmm. it took him 10 years to recover to the point where he could perform with us again and we got together with him again in 2005 and
3: Mm -hmm.
2: we worked with him through 2012 but his Mm -hmm. back just became worse and worse with you know flopping around on stage and all that so great he had to kind of retire 2012 when we brought David Yao into the mix in 2015 and we did a about thirteen shows with him back then and then fast forward to now, two thousand nineteen, and we're we're gonna be working with him throughout the year, doing these forty year anniversary shows across the country and we went to Europe in August. Uh, so we're um, we're out there celebrating the music, the anniversary, the legacy, the legends, um, <laughs> and playing playing the music for the folks. <laughs>
1: yeah. And 40 years is definitely an achievement, just there, just right there. Yeah, it's an
2: achievement. It's an achievement mm-hmm. to be alive at our age, exactly. and uh, we've lost so many friends and family and people and all that. And uh, you know, those of us that are still here, um, we need to get out and have fun and celebrate and go see bands and listen to music and you know enjoy whatever we've got left. So that's what we're go. doing.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And do you think punk is more relevant today than it was 40 years ago?
2: I think it's – I don't know if it's more relevant. It was certainly relevant back then, and it is certainly relevant today. Um, Mm -hmm. And especially uh, the old-school punk, so to speak, quote-unquote, – is relevant because it was so authentic. And um, over the years and decades, there's been so many copycats and so many, you know, not really authentic, you know, bands, you know, people trying to sound like everybody else and that kind of thing. It's just not really authentic or original. Mm-hmm. In the early days of punk, everything and everybody was just original and, and yeah. uh, you know, authentic in what they were doing. And no one ever set out to sound like any particular style or any other band and I, you know, I'm not really, I don't, you know, care much for bands who set out to sound like somebody or sound like a style or fit into a genre. Mm. Um, usually they're just not that good. So, <laughs> you know, we were sort of creators of a genre in all the different bands in out of San Francisco, we were certainly creators of our own sort of scene. And everybody was very different, unique, creative, eclectic. It was quite a a variety of different bands and sounds in San Francisco back in 77, 78, 79. Um, Great bands, the Avengers, the Dead Kennedys, the Mutants, Sleepers, many, many others. Um, We were very fortunate to have so many great bands. And we were fortunate to have the Mabuhai Gardens back in the 80s and the On Broadway Mm -hmm. above the babu high we you know that was our our big clubhouse where we could play and hang out meet with our friends and have a good time and it was uh those were great days very creative productive days um you know and so we were fortunate um san francisco was a great place to grow up um in, in, you know, there was music all around us and a history of music from back in the
3: mm.
2: 50s and 60s, and, you know,
3: mm-hmm. and then
2: in the 70s, we kind of, I think, rescued the music scene from what had become known as the corporate rock world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um,
1: Prague rock. <laughs>
2: and, uh, yeah, all of that kind of stuff, or whatever. And, you know, um, so. We created a scene and a type of music that was accessible to people. To the any the average person could, you know, go to the map or some other club, sound the music or whatever, and kind of reach out and touch it, you know, and right. talk to the people in the bands. And it was something that if you decided you wanted to do that, you could figure out a way within the scene to do it and make it happen. DIY. there's,
1: there's still a little pieces yeah. of that. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Around. I suppose. Hope. I hope, you know.
1: Yes. Yes. Got to grab yeah. onto it while we can. And For sure. And where do you see, where do you see then going in the future in the next couple of years?
2: Well, I don't know. I'd like to continue on um, at least through the end of next year. I mean, I'd like to do mm-hmm. that. We'll see Um the current lineup we're playing with in the States is going really well. Um, There's plans uh, in the works to, with, you know, we're going to be touring through December and we're going to Europe in August and uh, we'll see what happens. Europe is going to be a tough one. We're playing almost every night. So we got to survive that one. And, (laughs)
3: uh,
2: and um, then, and so what we have coming up is, uh, Sacramento, um, San Francisco. Then,
3: mm-hmm.
2: the following Saturday, the 20th of July, we're in Denver. And then we are on the 26th in Ventura um, for a punk rock festival with PSOL and a bunch of cool bands. Oh,
3: yeah. Then we
2: go to Europe for a month. Mm-hmm. And then we come back and we do um, the East Coast in October with some other couple of shows here and there. And
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then we do
2: uh, Texas uh, in November. Mm -hmm. And then we're just sort of planning some stuff in December. So we'll keep them busy, and uh, we're doing recording projects, and we're going to reissue our whole back catalog. Okay. And uh, we're in the works with a documentary about Flipper.
3: Yes. We're
2: talking. I'm in talks (laughs) with a couple of different people about doing books. So we're busy and getting busier um, as the days go on. Yeah. You
1: no, know, it's it's really great to hear about the documentary because I think that'll be yeah. important for you know people like me, people who are younger, yeah. who don't for necessarily sure, yeah. know everything. And it's like, oh, yeah. they did that, so you know anything
2: yeah, exactly. kind of possible. Exactly.
1: And then having a record right. of that history because you think you know everything with the internet, but then you don't really know unless you get it from the source. Right. Right. So, right. I'm, I'm getting into music documentaries, and uh, there's, oh, yeah. there's a lot of good ones this year, for sure.
2: Yeah, there are a lot of good ones, yeah. And there it's a necessity, you know, to be able to... Mm-hmm. I mean, the kids coming up can watch these documentaries and learn, you know, and uh, yeah. they can learn a lot of lessons and, uh, and get the stories behind the bands they love and whatnot. So, yeah, documentaries are an important thing.
1: Mm-hmm. And where can people find out more about you guys online? Is the Facebook page the best place? Um, people,
2: yeah, right now we're uh, going to rebuild our website, but right now uh, people can find us on Facebook. at um, We have a Flipper page, which is just mm-hmm. Flipper. We have another page called Flipper 1979, <laughs> and we have a, a fan page called Flipper Appreciation Party. And yes. uh, we can, you people can follow us and our what we're up to um, on any and all of those three pages. So we have an Instagram, um, which is Flipper underscore official at Instagram. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And we also have a Twitter page, uh, which is
1: uh, – um, I'm, I'm spacing sure on that. Oh, but you
2: do, do a search and find the, the Flipper uh, Twitter page. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's hard Um, to remember (laughs) all the handles.
2: (laughs) I think it's Flipper Rules. uh, The different page is Flipper Rules or Flipper Rules Okay or something like that. Flipper Rules, I think it is. (laughs) That's
1: awesome. And one more question for you. What was it like performing with uh, Chris Novoselic from Nirvana and kind of –
2: it was awesome you know we knew that (laughs) nirvana were fans of ours and uh there was a point in time where we were without a bass player and that happens Mm -hmm. quite a bit we've been through a bunch of bass players but anyway at this one particular time i was trying to rack my brain to think about who was out there in the world that we could approach and and then it hit me like oh yeah nirvana was fans of ours maybe i could check on no sell to see what he's up to and Mm-hmm. I did a little quick search online and found out that he wasn't really doing anything at the time. Didn't seem to be active doing anything uh, huh. in music. So mm-hmm. I reached out to him through Thurston Moore from Sonic Youth. Got a hold of him for me, and mm-hmm. uh, turns out he said he would be he would be interested in in doing some stuff with us. So. We got him on board, and we went and did a tour of UK, Ireland, and we did shows in the States, and we, uh, we ended up um, recording an album, a couple of albums with him, a, a studio record and a live record. And uh, he was with us for two years, and then he parted ways, and um, we ended up getting Rachel, our current bass player, Mm -hmm. In the band, and we did some touring with her in 2009, 2012, and uh, then she left. And we had our friend Bruno come on board, and we did some stuff with him in 2015. Mm -hmm. And then he left, and now we've got Rachel back. So it's kind of musical chairs in Flipper (laughs) with uh, with 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 bass players. So, but anyway, it's all good, you know. Right
1: on. It's all part of and, the. And yeah, we've got
2: Mike Watt actually coming on board oh. on bass. He's
1: really be awesome. joining
2: us for the year Euro- Yeah, Mike Watt will be joining us for uh, the European tour on bass mm-hmm. guitar. that would be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen him. Um,
1: gosh. It's been years. But
2: it's yeah, great. who hasn't seen him? He's he's all yeah. over the place. <laughs> he's in a million bands playing every night everywhere.
1: Right, right. Just all over the yeah. damn place. All, all
2: right. over the damn planet. <laughs>
1: Well, it was great to to speak with you and excited awesome. thank um, you very you know, much for your show tour cool. thank you and yeah we'll um, see
2: everybody in San Francisco at the great American Music Hall Saturday night
1: <laughs> and uh, congrats on the 40th anniversary as well
2: uh, thank you so much yeah awesome all right. all right well we'll talk to you next
0: time thank you again
1: uh, okay have a good one
0: okay thank you And that was Steve from Flipper, drummer from Flipper. They're playing a sold-out show tonight at the Great American Music Hall. Opening are going to be Frightwig and The Next. You might remember I interviewed them a couple weeks ago. I think it was back in April, so it's been a couple months, actually. It's been a long couple months (laughs) But I was, uh, if you're just tuning in, I was filling everybody in on what I've been up to the last few weeks. There's been a few festivals, Burger Boogaloo, Clusterfest, uh, Fono Del Sol, um, made an attempt to go to... Santa Cruz uh, for my birthday. So just been all over the Bay Area, you guys, and it's it's hard to physically be at the station. It used to not be so hard, but, um, you know, here I am a few weeks later, uh, supporting uh, my favorite restaurants in the Mission. Uh, if you are visiting the Bay Area or are local, definitely go to Doña Teresa as she's right across the street. She makes pupusas from scratch and I've been going there for the past nine plus years now. Not as often as I should. Normally I go to Papalotes uh, located at 24th and Valencia he also has a location on Fulton I believe I don't know the cross street might be Masonic might not be Masonic but anyways got to support um Your local communities here unlike what you're seeing in the news Um, i'll try not to go too much into it but um, i definitely don't agree with a lot of things that are happening so um just if you know anyone that that might be affected by the raids yesterday i mean tomorrow you might want to check in with them just to see if there's anything you can do I know that they're going to be doing it here in San Francisco? So I'm just apparently um, I was talking to someone and she knows of you know people who uh, are from immigrant communities might be living in her building. So I don't know if I'm going to be experiencing anything in my neighborhood. Um, I'm just kind of keeping an open mind, uh, to see how, how it goes, even though I don't really agree with it, even though, um, I am a third generation American and, um, I know of, you know, how my grandfather was treated, um, You know, around the time of World War II, he was practically a child and, um, you know, people who uh, came to America after and were able to live fulfilling lives. And he was one of them. It's still the the whole experience of, you know, being interrogated and being in a concentration camp or, you know, just living in, in hiding because you don't know. Uh, you don't feel supported. And, you know, I'm, I'm not an immigrant, but I know I've been in situations where you just don't feel supported uh, by the people around you. So I think it's always good to, to check in with people, if that makes sense. Um, so definitely do that. Um, if you don't live in the United States, uh, that's okay. You can, I'm sure you have friends here. You can definitely... <laughs> check in with them. I don't know. I just think it's, if there's a time for you to do something charitable, that time is probably now. So, uh, the sooner the better, but anyways, um, if you're just tuning in, uh, it's kind of, uh, the, uh, next two hours or, uh, have been focusing on some of the great, uh, uh, revival uh, 40th anniversary San Francisco Bay Area punk rock bands um, in particular uh, Flipper is going to be playing tonight at the Great American Music Hall And then uh, next week the Dills are going to be playing at the Bottom of the Hill And that's a tribute to uh, the venue called the Temple Beautiful And I believe it used to be located across the street from the Fillmore Which I've been going to since I moved here Um just some really fantastic shows um, at the Fillmore, but there were other venues um, uh, that came after or were around the same time, and it's interesting, you know, kind of reading about them online, like Mabuhe Gardens and uh, Madame Wu's in Los Angeles and how uh, Chinese-Americans are kind of involved a lot with the punk scene uh, in Chinatown and Santa Monica, where I grew up. So... <laughs> And anyways, um, I do have some additional interviews for you um, another, ben, uh, another event that's going to be taking place on Friday is War Stories Featuring Jane Weedlin, Chip Kinman from the Dills, Peter Case uh, Teresa and Pleasant Gammon are also going to be there as well So you definitely want to get your tickets And stay tuned for more Mutiny Radio
1: are you ladies still with me? Yes. We are. Perfect. Awesome. And you guys sound fantastic. Always a plus. (laughs) Oh, no. Now there's a little bit of a a radio sound in there, but that just makes it sound more like uh, tuning in, like the good old days. (laughs) Great. Um, Well, Teresa and Pleasant, uh, tell me a little bit more about how you guys um, we're able to put this event together for War Stories. Sounds like it's going to be pretty interesting. Well, War Stories—it
4: um, started last year in February. We were doing a punk conference. Right? We were doing a punk conference at UCLA called Curating mm-hmm. with, and both of us had already taught. Um, and lectured at UCLA as well as other colleges on on the subject of punk, which is mm-hmm. something that back in the day we never would have dreamed of doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> who, who gets paid to speak at colleges about your misspent youth, you know? <laughs> so um, anyway, we were, we decided that uh, it would be fun to do sort of an after part for the... T- I'm sorry, are, are those um noises like me or you?
1: I'm not sure. I don't think it's me. So it's static.
5: But but anyway, um, where Pleasant left off, when when she mentioned that we were um, lecturing at different colleges and stuff, Mm -hmm. people, a couple of uh, students would try to ask, you know, smart, school-oriented, that it
4: on stage and they had names of people, places, and situations and then you had to reach into the bucket and pull out a slip, read the slip to the audience and then start telling a story about it. And it was pretty much guaranteed that most people sitting on the stage at that point would have either participated in the incident or heard about it or had a story that happened right before or right after it. So we we did that on stage and someone would say some insane thing that had happened to them and then other people would join in, oh yeah, that was the night I got arrested or oh I didn't go there because I was in jail in Arkansas on our first tour or something like that. Right. And we'd all be laughing, laughing hysterically. And at some point I'd look at the audience and their mouths would just be open like they couldn't even believe the crazy stuff we were talking about. That that we had obviously all participated in. So it was super fun on stage and for the audience. It was, it was it was just like it was like we were sitting around in somebody's living room just discussing old war stories, and that's why it's called that. I, I, you know, because we, we're all veterans
1: of the punk scene. There you go. And I love that. And, and I, ho- I hope that there's gonna be people in my age group. I'm in my mid 30s and then younger possibly. Because then they, we can learn more about, you know, what it's like to live offline and how it is to kind of not just live through social media all of the time. That it's good to just kind of go out and, and make your own story or write your own story. I like to say.
4: Yeah, there was there was at all those previous shows. There's been young people there, and those are the people that like when we start telling them that there was like no landline or any of that like their eyes kind of go as big as saucers, but then they start realizing what it was truly like, you know. Mm -hmm. The way that Mm -hmm. the scene is imagined by younger people that weren't in it is very different than what it was actually like.
1: Right. And it sounds like it was very... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, it's just really
5: so many things that people take for granted now, we made safe Mm -hmm. for them, and it was really dangerous for us to say, you know, have pink hair or right. whatever. I mean...
4: Yeah, we it, couldn't get jobs because of the way we looked, even if we tried to tone it down. If you were a woman with short hair or with, like, uh, one color in your hair that wasn't natural, people stared and, like, you know, if you were wearing a red jacket and all black walking down mm-hmm. the street, it was mm-hmm. pretty much, like, universal that a car full of, like, sort of, you know, jobs or redneck people or, or gang people would come and like throw garbage at you and scream things and a lot of people got beaten up you
1: know they right. for
4: looking different
1: yeah and, and um, now you can
4: mm-hmm. sue for discrimination if you didn't get a job because of the way you looked but in those days you just didn't get a job and we were we were scrambling for jobs you know like we wanted to work but it was just kind of impossible with our with the way that we looked it wasn't even the lifestyle you know.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I read a lot of stories about um, Arya from the Slits, like in London, for instance. They would walk down the street and people would come up to them with knives and stab them on the street. I mean, it was just women just sitting there. Yeah, do it was that. like that
4: here. I mean, in San, in San Francisco, Christian yeah. Hoffman from the Mumps got stabbed. We mm-hmm. went up there with the Mumps, banned from New York. Yeah. And uh, he went out one night and was just normally walking down the street and got stabbed in the stomach.
1: It's crazy. You
4: know, I mean, it was, it was a it was a weird it was a weird odd time in that mm-hmm, way. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the violence wasn't as much publicized as, as it is now. But mm-hmm. um, you know, like the the way that we looked back in the days, like really set people off or attracted crazy people.
5: Oh, you yeah. know, And what, what Pleasant's saying, <laughs> what, what Pleasant saying about this is um, is really highlighted in. I mean, if you're a serial killer fanatic, Mm. um, there was the Hillside Stranglers in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And these two serial killers would seek out um, prostitutes. And punk rock and prostitutes had, you know, like fashion in common. Mm. And uh, there, there was a girl that you know, was part of our sort of group of 100 punk rock people who was a victim of the Hillside Strangler. Oh, wow. um, and that, you know, that kind of crime and violence against people, um, it, it, people don't remember it. Mm. But, you know, it's, it's historic. Right? right. You know, Definitely. it's the... the dark side that, it, that no one mm-hmm. talks about but it's there. You know, there was a lot of violence. There's a, uh, a concert at the Elks Lodge on St. Patrick's Day in 1979 and mm-hmm. I mean, cops just beat up all the punk kids.
4: Oh, beat just, up the little girl.
1: Yeah. It's terrible. How would you say you um, two and, and time's up do you think that that's Kind of an offshoot of, of punk in a weird way.
4: Well, I mean, we were we were um, we were in back in the in the day in the '70s, we were all all the women were feminists. I mean, whether they were calling themselves or not, you know. Mm-hmm. So by the time that like Bikini Kill rolled around, all of us had already been doing it 15 years earlier, if not more, probably more than that. Mm. And, I mean, you know, we liked Bikini Kill, but we were like, there's nothing new about this. I mean, this is not, like, a new revolutionary concept. And so now with Me Too and Time's Up and all of that, I think, I mean, there is nothing new about it. But finally, people are speaking out about it. Women are speaking out about it. And because of social media, they're being heard.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. You know, heard and seen because the legions are so many. Back in the 70s, 80s, Or even the early 90s, like, we didn't know what the numbers were of all the people that were united in the same way we thought because there was, you know, not general public access to the Internet and and there was no social media then,
1: you know? Right, right. So it was pretty much like you were saying. Unless you knew someone or someone was able to confide in you, there wasn't any way of knowing about, you know, having a shared experience like that. So now it's...
5: That's mm -hmm. that's true. Um, In the early days of what we now know as social media, Alice Bagg, Um, started a blog which was devoted to the women of, you know, back in the day, punk rock, And, and both Pleasant and I did interviews with it. And it's not like we intentionally said, well, you know, we're a feminist and we're doing it. It was all because there were no resources for us and for the guys either. There was just no resources for the punk community. And we Created and grew a community. You know, people wouldn't give us jobs, so we opened our own stores or started our own businesses. And people wouldn't let bands play in the established clubs, so we started our own. Um, you know, we couldn't you know, get jobs as as writers or photographers getting placements in magazines, so we made our
4: own. You yeah. know, and yeah, yeah, and then that was crazy because. Oh, photos.
1: Oh no! You, you cut out, the, out I, there, please.
4: Both of us, <laughs> our, our jobs. You know, our our jobs. Like Teresa's, like a internationally known, like iconic rock and roll photographer. I mean, she's got like the most ridiculous pictures on Earth. And I have the craziest stories on Earth. Actually, we both do. But it's because (laughs) the people that we were writing about, the record companies that they had just barely been signed to, had no idea what to do with them. Mm -hmm. And we could Mm -hmm. just... There was a a rock and roll hotel in Hollywood called the Tropicana on Mm -hmm. Santa Monica Boulevard, and it was like the West Coast version of the Chelsea Hotel. (laughs) Every band stayed there, but... but, (laughs) Just, um, we would just we would just call the Trump Academy number and say, who's in town? or we'd know that, like, the cramps had just checked in or Blondie had just checked in. So sometimes we'd call the room, but most of the time we'd go and knock on the door and say, hey, we're Pleasant and Teresa. Want to get drunk and go thrift shopping with us? And they would always say yes. There was no publicist back <laughs> then. You know, want to come to yeah. a the same party at our house? you know, and they and mm-hmm. would take up, and, I mean, it was the 70s, so the parties were insanely wild, but, you know, like, back then, those people were unknown, unsigned bands, or signed to a small indie label, or had just been, just barely been signed to a larger label, like, like, um, you know, and some of them were English, and some of them were from New York, from New York and some of them were from here, but, mm-hmm. like, now people are like, how do you, how do you know this Person and I was like I've known him for 45 years and then also it was funny because later on people would, would want to, you know publicists would contact either one of us and say mm. um oh well, you wanna you know we'll give you we'll give you an access pass and you can meet meet the members of blah 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 like some some right. you know stupid stupid band that we wouldn't care about and then you'd be sitting you'd have to politely decline but in your mind you'd be thinking. <laughs> How can this be, party be any good? When I was 17, I was stepping over B.B. Ramone, who was vomiting on the floor, to go into a party that had all of the dead boys, all of Blondie, Tom yep. Wade,
1: and, You know what I mean? Like, Yes.
4: We, our whole our whole life since punk rock, i got to say, is what is now known as a peak
1: experience. Definitely. <laughs> Nothing's going to compare to that party. I can tell you that. Because I wasn't there.
4: <laughs> okay, I'll tell you, I have to tell you one other thing that happened at that party. This is completely insane. Yes. Yeah, there was this magic store. There was a magic store on Hollywood Boulevard, and um, uh, my co-editor of *Lobotomy*, Randy K. R.I.P. Um, he and I discovered this magic shop on Hollywood Boulevard that sold cigarette loads that, if you pack them into your cigarettes, make the cigarettes explode. <laughs> so there was a wild party going on at the Tropicana Hotel, and Lee Black Childers, who had worked with David Bowie, was there, and every band in town was there, and Blondie mm-hmm. and the Ramones were there, and Levi mm-hmm. and the Rock Hot, mm-hmm. and the Mumps. It was just, it was, it was absolutely nuts. And Marianne Faithful, who I think was staying there, was mm-hmm. sitting on a, a space lounge near the pool, and she was like nodding out on heroin. And she she looked up at one and said, I want a cigarette. So Randy was going, give it to her, give give her one, give her one. (laughs) So we gave her a cigarette cigarette with the exploding loads in it. (laughs) And she would take a puff and then nod out. And then one of the loads would explode and she would, like, wake up. (laughs) Wow. but
1: But
4: then Randy and I got so drunk. That we forgot which cigarettes had the loads in them, and we'd be like
1: smoking them, and they'd be exploding. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been one of those nights <laughs> that you'll never forget.
4: Are you ready for Talk about the Blondie party that most, and the interview that took place in your bathroom. Oh yeah, bathroom
1: I remember those. They pictures. were
5: very. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, yep. there were very few people back then who had their own apartments, and I was one of them. And mm-hmm. You know, Joan and I. too. Right, and Pleasant,
4: our, too. We both had roommates, but yeah.
5: Yeah, I mean, very, very few of them, because, you know, we, we were older than most people, because we were like 18 and, and 19 <laughs> <laughs> at our own apartments, and yeah, we so... Live, <laughs> <laughs> so uh for the the cover story of uh, Blondie in Lobotomy mm-hmm. we uh we had a party to celebrate Blondie being in town again and, you know, everyone was there. The future Kid Congo Powers, Joan Jett, Darby Crash from the Germs, Lorna Doom, R.I.P., Belinda Carlisle, um, who I've known since high school and pleasant New, since the day Belinda drove into Los Angeles to go to a, a punk rock show, um, all there. And it's time to do the interview. So it's really loud because it's a party. So we all go we into the bathroom.
4: Like, like a gifted level loud.
5: Right, right, like atomic bomb going off loud. And so we went into the bathroom with a cassette recorder mm-hmm. to do the you interview. On,
4: and Blondie were, like, members of Blondie, were all on Totally Drunken on Quaaludes. Uh-huh. Yeah, it
5: was uh, Debbie and Chris mm-hmm. and Jimmy Destry and Clem all smashed up into the bathroom. And... Um, You can hear people knocking on the door, you know, because they want to go in and use the bathroom. And and Debbie is waxing poetic about good band names like Brightly Colored Toilet Paper. And then all of Blondie were making fun of Clem's interest and devotion to the Bay City Rollers, which...
4: Yeah, I'd say that was more hmm. like an obsession. (laughs) I'm <laughs> um, completely obsessed with the Bay City Rollers, and he used to spend hours on his hair, putting, like, everything from Aquanet to, like, grease from French fries on it, trying to get a oh, Bay City Roller's hair
1: Ridiculous.
5: Yeah. <laughs> and um, and you can hear all of the background noise in the interview tape. You know, you should just release that as a record, plus. <laughs> but... Um, but
4: um, and the, their, their roadie, Michael Sticka, was also the Dead Boys' roadie. Mm-hmm. And um, he was in jail from, like, actually from some stabbing incident that, that happened at one of their shows. And so he was in jail on Rikers Island. And um, so in the middle of that interview, Chris Stein started singing to the tune of Gary Gilmore's Eye. Yeah. Like through most of the interview, Chris was just singing, Michael don't got no eyes to see. Michael, because <laughs> <Like>, I. Um, <laughs> that, that song by the Adverse, Gary Gilmore, right. that, that mm-hmm. We just transcribed that whole interview verbatim and ran it in lobotomy. Nice. Yeah,
5: we were like the um, Mad Magazine version of a rock and roll magazine, you know. Mm-hmm.
4: Completely, it was exactly like that. We had a really silly, stupid, fun sensibility. Like like whenever we read about the Dills, Chip Kinman's band. That's um, when Chip will be at the at the War Stories show um, on the 19th at Swedish American Hall. But the Dills are also playing at the Temple Beautiful Reunion the next night in Uh San Francisco as well. But but whenever we would draw, whenever I would always like, I would handwrite a lot of the magazine because I had cut typing class off through high school, not knowing I was going to become a punk rock journal. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so I would draw pictures and because Chip and Tony Kinman were both so tall, I would always put pictures of them that I had drawn near the top of the page and like draw them wearing basketball uniforms. But the. The top of the page ended with their necks, like they were too tall to, um, you know, they were so tall that they would go off the page, like in a Mad Magazine cartoon kind of way.
5: <laughs> and did you know that Chip Kinman owns every single copy of Lobotomy, that he owns copies of Lobotomy that neither of us have?
1: No, I didn't know that. I know. <laughs> we,
4: Chip- we didn't know it either until we started talking to him about, <laughs> about it.
5: And um, and that kind of brings us full circle to San Francisco because they, yeah. um, you know, the Kinman brothers are from the San Diego area, mm-hmm. and they had kind of relocated and camped out in San Francisco to become the communist bills, and... <laughs> <laughs> And, um, you know, together with bands like The Avengers Mm -hmm. and The Nuns, you know, that play like really highly charged political shows, and we would always, yeah, drive back and forth between Los Angeles and San Francisco, and, um, you know, I called the punk rock turn around. The
4: only people that had a car. Yes.
5: Yeah, and, and you know, it, it was no big deal to, you know, like, decide at noon, oh, I'm going to go see that show in San Francisco tonight and drive up there and drive back just right after the show.
4: I wanted to a car with a couple of people to drive up to San Francisco for a show at the Death Club, but I think I'm going to save that story for for the actual war stories Because that's that yeah. beyond that. Yeah, we have to thank um, people. Yeah. <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, you know, Pleasant and I hijacked Rory Johnston, who was the Sex Pistols, um, he's an English man, but a uh, United mm-hmm. States-based oh. Sex Pistols manager, road manager, and, and we hijacked him, and uh, Pleasant and Jane Wheedland from the Go-Go's, who was also going to be with us in War Stories, we all have some really good Sex Pistols stories. Nice. Yeah, like they played their... They played their final show, as you know, at Winterland.
1: Right. <laughs> right. I've been by there a few times. It's now a condominium complex and I'm like, that's right. where
5: <laughs> you know every piece of real estate the Sex Pistols touch just goes. Is to now hell. a condominium? <laughs> <laughs> no, because the Tulesian ballroom in Memphis, Tennessee, where they played, is now Ooh. a Taco
4: Bell. Oh my God. Oh my God. That's so crazy. I'm so
5: bummed about, so bummed about Winterland because I saw yeah. so many great shows there.
1: Oh, is the Warfield Theater still there? It's still there. I'm going there tomorrow night actually for one of the Democratic Party forums. So that's still going strong. Well, a lot of the the venues, a lot of the venues now they're kind of doing strong. It's kind of like a money making. They've turned it into a money making thing. You know, I'll leave that open to interpretation if that's a good or a bad thing but (laughs) well pleasant pleasant and
5: i have a really excellent story that you know if you're if you're a san francisco person and you want to find out all about our decades-long relationship with iggy pop and blondie of course we we um we have some things to tell you about iggy at the warfield theater
4: Nice yes, and we and we also we also have crazy tales of Mabuhay Gardens mm-hmm. and Berkeley Square and and mm-hmm. the Stone and some of the other um, Bay Area punk clubs too, like um like in San Jose and mm-hmm. uh, the, the Palo Alto there was crazy punk clubs. I mean, my band The Scream and Sirens toured up to San Francisco a lot. We were up there at least two or three times a month, seriously. Wow. Um, and mm-hmm. we'd stay at these wild warehouses in Oakland, you know, mm-hmm. that were, um, when, that, when that warehouse burned down a couple of years ago.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um,
4: I can't, like, that looked so much, like the pictures they were showing on the news looked so much like the Phoenix Ironworks warehouse, which was a hotbed of punk rock and skateboarding in the 80s um, that people people were like texting me and calling me and emailing me saying is that that place that the sirens used to stay at all the time but it wasn't but yeah. it looked so similar you know the, yeah. the warehouse parties <laughs> up in the Bay Area from the um, 70s and the 80s were just so wild and again completely under the radar of the of the police and um, they, by the time that raves started coming in, all of us were just sort of rolling our eyes because even though those were supposed to be underground, and I guess they kind of were, they couldn't yeah. even hold a candle to the private parties that were going on in the Bay Area. I mean, we're talking about parties with full skateboard ramps, with like mages built in them and stuff, and they weren't, they weren't to pay, it was just like, you know, people just, artists and musicians just putting together a wild environment for, um, for parties, you know. Yes. And then <laughs> all the all crazy clubs in the Bay Area mm-hmm. You're no longer there, like Hubbard Wagon and the Kennel Club. I mean, the stories that even I just have, not even a- anybody else that's on the show, from from playing at those places. You know, like the clubs in the Tenderloin that were just trying to make money by having rock and roll shows, and the people that went to them or the the mm-hmm. lunatics that wandered in off the street like it, it just seems like so surreal.
1: they're still around believe it or not there's lunatics everywhere no I't I know, I know
4: that that's still true but you know this was a time capsule lunacy that like really <laughs> won't happen anymore because again yeah. there was no there was almost no police intervention you know mm-hmm. like some mm-hmm. of those some of those that rock and roll clubs back in the day where, you know, they would have regulars that were like, you know, 65 or, you know, someone that was a drag queen, but in those days drag queens weren't revered the way they are now, you know? Right,
3: So those right. people
4: would be there combined with all the, like, crazy rock and roll kids. And then, you know, there'd be, like, hookers, like, trying to work out of the bathroom while, like, um, you know, the mud women were playing or something, (laughs) you know, a a crash worship show, and there'd be, like, some, like, 85-year-old barfly sitting at the bar, like, you know, holding their beer up and taking it around and exploding it into the crowd. I mean, it it was nuts back
1: in San Francisco
4: in those days.
1: It sounds like it was a good time.
4: (laughs) It was. I mean, mean, sometimes this is the other thing. When we start telling the Mm -hmm. stories on stage, Mm-hmm. You can just see people in the audience looking at us going, like, how are these people still alive? And I often <laughs> wonder that myself.
5: I, I do, too. I can't tell you how many times I said, I'll have to be at work tomorrow, so I'm going to leave now. And it's 2 in the morning. Oh, God. And you can just drive all the way down Highway 5. I had one of those Alfred Hitchcock mm-hmm. North by Northwest crop-dusting planes,
4: I
1: swear, followed me. <laughs> All the way home. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, I guess the equivalent for me would be going to a you know a music festival in Oakland or you know it's much more control a controlled environment I guess. But you can you know I try and let loose here and there when I can. Yeah, no, I mean not
4: not it not only about letting loose though,
1: but but mm-hmm. I just have mm-hmm. to
4: say you know how there's like like VIP meet and greets were an all-access pass at festivals.
1: I know. And they cost a fortune. I was just looking
4: at it. Yeah, but our whole life was an all-access pass in those
1: days. Right, right. All of our lives
4: was an all-access pass, and it was free, (laughs) because because that's just how it was, you know? Yeah. There was no... Punk rock was the last youth movement with absolutely no corporate
5: intervention. i got to say that. It's incredible. It's because they didn't know what to do with them. You know, mm-hmm. they didn't know what to do with the punk rock people, and that's how we managed to, you know, all of us accomplish what we did because mm-hmm. we didn't have to ask permission. You know, yeah. no no rock and roll person say, well, can I talk to these girls from Lobotomy magazine? no one had to ask we just showed up and it's like oh hey yeah let's go to taco Bell and the thrift store and and sandwich an interview all the way through i mean so many of our features were like well we took Billy idol shopping <laughs> yeah
4: i'm getting or like, ideas or, I'm I'm i just saw, <laughs> or, or like i just like showed up at the recording studios in new york when the mm. class were recording Tommy Gun, and I just got to sit in on the whole session. No one said, who are you? I said, I'm from Lobotomy Magazine, and they said, oh, like as though it was Billboard or something, you know?
1: (laughs) It's amazing. I was just listening to a podcast about, um, you know, their their albums, kind of the succession Mm -hmm. of albums, and it was really interesting, narrated by Chuck D from Public Enemy, so that was kind of an interesting... Ankle, hearing it from somebody who you know hip-hop I feel like was kind of a did you guys have any interaction with people who were, you know just getting started in hip-hop because I feel like hip, the hip-hop well, scene uh, was... uh, uh,
4: uh. okay so oh. I, when I, when I moved into um, a house in, you know like in 1988 um mm-hmm. I was just looking for a place where I could have a cat and make noise belly dancing using my finger symbols
3: mm-hmm. And I
4: saw this little house for rent, and I was looking around, and there was this, it was an old craftsman house, and there'd been this, um, there was a thing that was obviously the laundry room, and I looked in it, and there was these two giant monitor lizards that were about four feet long, and there was these, like, pythons that were hanging off, like, these, Sort of snake trees that were made. And I was like, what is this? And then I started hearing (laughs) this insane, um, like sort of hip hop noise and drum tracks. Yes. And I didn't know what it was. And then all of a sudden these two like giant guys came out onto the sidewalk and they were looking at me with their arms folded and they were like, yo, are you here about the uh, apartment for rent? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, we make hip-hop, is that going to be a problem? And I was, th- and I just said, no, because I was thinking, wow, any mm-hmm. landlord that allows giant reptiles and, um, like, you know, studs, gang, the hip-hop people is not going to care about my finger symbols for a cat. And then um, it turned out that the, the whole front part of my house was IC's recording studio, and there was oh. always people like Africa Islam, Africa Bambada. One time nice. I had a girl staying with me and you know she was she was from overseas so she was jet lagged so she was wandering mm-hmm. around the yard and came back in and woke me up and she said pleasant what's slave of slave doing in your yard and i was like what <laughs> <laughs> and she was down here with a clock on like at like you know eight o'clock in the morning just yes. waiting for like the people in the front house to wake up
1: <laughs> love it <laughs>
5: Well, you know, the funny thing about Ice T is that the um, intern I had when I worked at Island Records mm-hmm. discovered him, oh. and they're still they still do business together. Uh, uh, a young man named Jorge Hinojosa, mm-hmm. whose um, father was a diplomat, uh-huh. and he lived in Riverside and. And this young man drove from Riverside to Hollywood two days a week to do his internship, for which he did not get paid. And he went mm. out to shows every night, and he discovered this dude, Ice T. And they even,
4: yeah. they even, even funnier, or not funnier, but like just, there was always a sort of a punk rock and alternative rock, which it wasn't even being called that then. Mm. Um, connects. There was this network of after-hours clubs in Los Angeles. I mean, it, <clears throat> there was, like, a few different ones that weren't, you know, they weren't house parties. They were legit illegal after-hours speakeasies. And one of them was called the Zero Zero Club. And mm-hmm. the other one was an offshoot called the Radio. And it was run by um, Wayzada that ran, that um, his name was Wayzada Cameron. and he ran the Zero Zero. And KK from the L.A. Punk Band, the Screamers, and mm-hmm. I see, and so the radio just played like you know it was open after hours, and it would just play insane like New York hip hop, and people mm-hmm. would get up and do like live rapping, and there'd be punk rock going on. I mean, it was it was nuts. It was it was another whole dimension of the yeah. underground punk rock scene because in those days, like hip hop mm-hmm. and rapping, as it was called, was very much um, like a slightly different. And you know, just as urban version of Punk Off. You know, it's basically right. the, all the same concepts. Just
1: the music was different. Mm-hmm. Some of the best music ever made in that that time period. All yeah. Right. Well, you get you ladies are going to be at the Swedish Hall on July 19th, and there's going to be a few yeah. other interesting people there. Jane Wedlin and Chip Kinnan, and there's a few others, I believe. Yes, it's, there's Peter Case, uh-huh. um, who was
5: in the Nerves and the Primroses, and who, on his own as a solo artist, is a Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you may know, the um, the Nerves had a song called "Hanging on the Telephone," which was made yes. into a hit by Blondie. Mm-hmm. Peter was one a really
4: great, very first like like sort of illegal punk club for one night only in LA. There's also Jeff Drake from the Joneses who um he lives up in the Bay Area and he's from there and the Joneses were like a huge sort of when I say post-punk I, I don't mean like art or no wave music I just mean it was a little bit later it was in 80s band and they toured all over the place and were constantly up and in San Francisco, and San Jose, and Santa Cruz, and all the, the punk clubs that are up in the area. So all of us are going to be on stage telling stories, like as equal to or surpassing what we've just told you now. And the <laughs> tickets are available at Eventbrite. They're $20. Mm-hmm. And The club, Swedish American Hall, is first come, first served. So it's Festival seating, quote, quote. It's like Southwest Airlines. You have to get there early if you want a good seat up in the front.
5: Absolutely.
4: (laughs) That's right. And the show starts at 8.30. 830.
5: And the big bonus is that we all knew each other back in the day, and we've Mm -hmm. been in touch. We've never not been in touch with each other, even Uh though we... You know, don't live in the same place. And all of our stories intersect. So it's just going to be like you're eavesdropping on us at a cocktail party.
1: Very ideal situation. (laughs) I I plan on being there and just being like a sponge and soaking it all in. (laughs)
4: Like a a human fly on the wall.
1: Exactly. (laughs) That's exactly what I'm going to do. Well, it was a pleasure to meet you, too, and, um, yeah, I'm really excited for July 19th, and are you guys going to go to the Dill show as well, or? Oh, okay. hell yeah. Good. <laughs> 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 so we'll probably see each other at some point.
4: <laughs> yes. Okay, and we'll see everybody at Swedish American Hall on mm-hmm. July 19th.
1: Awesome. Come one,
5: come all, we welcome hecklers.
4: there's going to be no room for heckling i can tell you that right it's going
1: to be like no we'll heckle you there you go (laughs) love it all right well um i hope you ladies have a great weekend you too thank thank you. you okay have a good one
0: that was my extensive interview with pleasant kemen and Teresa Carix, and they were the founding members of a fanzine you might know. It's called Lobotomy Magazine, and they are curating um, a forum, if you will, with uh, some other people from that era, Chip Kinman, Peter Case, and Jane Whedland, just to name a few. They're all going to be there, and that's this Friday, coming Friday, At the Swedish Hall, it's July 19th, and you can get your tickets at eventbrite.com, and you just type in war stories, and that was, I think, a really good taste of what to expect on Friday night. I'm definitely going to be there, because you know me, I'm just... Always uh, fly on the wall or sponge soaking things up. <laughs> good or bad. Um, yeah, it's uh, they have some really great stories and I think that's kind of such a big difference from you know people today where everything's just kind of through social media and through your phone and I get it. It's kind of hard to to live without it, but I myself, you love to use technology as a tool, but man, you got to have some of those, those real exp- one-on-one uh, things that you could never put on social media. <laughs> those kinds of experiences are the best. So definitely go out and have some of those this weekend or this summer if you can just uh live your life and also uh, make sure that you're attending war stories july 19th um i just previously aired the interview i did with steve from uh, flipper they're playing a sold-out show tonight at the great american music hall Uh, so hopefully you got your ticket for that and if you didn't already know uh july 20th uh chip kidman and the dills uh Newly reformed, uh, they've been playing some shows recently. Uh they're going to be playing a 40th anniversary show as a tribute to The Temple Beautiful. Uh, and that show is going to be happening at Bottom of the Hill, not too far from the station here in the Mission. So I'm just going to make the trek over there next week, and that should be amazing as well. It's just going to be a a fun couple couple days here in the Bay Area, uh, celebrating, you know, the 40th anniversary of you know some of these very well-known San Francisco punk rock era bands, meaning Flipper, The Dills. In particular and you know a lot of other bands have been reforming Uh, The Cure just got back together uh, not that long ago I think it was like maybe about five years ago now I don't know time passes by so quickly but anyways you know things like that things that that are so epic you just never thought you would have the the opportunity to see them perform and um, hopefully I will be seeing The Cure by the way Um, who did start out as a punk rock band and became a different entity altogether. But um, I happened to like when Robert Smith was in Susie and the Banshees, but that's just me. You can quote me on it. And um, let's go ahead and play that interview I did with Chip back in may and uh don't forget the Dells are going to be playing at bottom of the hill on july 20th uh that's a week from today get your tickets
1: jeff are you still with me
6: i'm right here
1: woohoo okay we're recording now i think we're we're in it to win it as i like to say yes ma'am, <laughs> yes, ma'am. All right. So you're going to be up here in July. I believe you're going to be doing two appearances. One of them's going to be kind of a chit chat about the good old days on July, <laughs> yes, <laughs> July 19th. And you're going to be joined by some other, you know, infamous uh, women. I'd like to say from that era, Jane Wedman, so, yeah. mm-hmm. um, Pleasant Gaiman, um,
6: Pleasant know. Gaiman, yes, and um, um, Teresa. And I don't. Uh, I think Peter Case is is up there, and uh, yeah. maybe I can drag maybe I can drag Peter Urban up on the stage, or some other people. We'll, yeah. see, we'll see who comes out to it. But that that's going to be a lot of fun. That's the War Stories show. Right. We did one down. We did one down here in Los Angeles at the Roxy, and it was oh. it was really terrific and a lot of fun. Um, uh-huh. Kind of a kind of a strange thing to do, you know, because right. especially when I did it at the Roxy. I mean, I used to come up to the Roxy and, you know, when I was in high school and, you know, mm-hmm. in the, the mid seventies, early to mid seventies and, and come up and see, uh, uh, you know, Dr. Feelgood and Steve Hartley <laughs> and Cockney Rebel and bands like that. And, um, and, you know, if someone would have told me then, Hey, when you're 60s 60 years old, you're going to be up here on a panel, you know, <laughs> talking, uh, talking about the good old days. Great. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have believed, I wouldn't believe it. So, but there it was. And, uh, so that was a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to doing it in San Francisco.
1: Right on, and that's going to be at the Swedish American Hall, which I've I've never seen a panel there before. I've seen performances. Mm-hmm. So that'll be interesting. And, and then, what part of town? What part of town
6: is that in? Do you know?
1: Um, it's kind of near Church and Market. So oh, cool. kind of close to the Castro, but mm-hmm. close enough to downtown. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty easy to get to. It's right on on Market Street. So.
6: Awesome! Yeah, awesome. I'm
1: sure you didn't buy it.
6: <laughs> yes, I'm sure I have. I'm sure I so probably maybe. was buying it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was probably buying it not too long ago. I just, I just walked up and down Market Street about a month ago. with My oh, wife. Nice. Yeah, yeah. It came time to, to do <laughs> some writing, but um, and then we're playing
1: uh, bottom of the hill. Yes. One of the infamous venues here, and it's Why also considered you're doing it as the 40th anniversary for the Temple Beautiful, which is another venue from the good old days. I-
6: That's right. That's right. Jeffrey Pond is putting this on. I think he might be doing a series of shows, and this is the first one. Okay. Um, that was a terrific place to play and, and, and pretty important in the uh, – and as far as San Francisco punk rock is concerned, yeah. um, it was one of the places that when, when the Mabuhay Stranglehold was broken, mm-hmm. you know, that's one of the places where the bands kind of broke out to play. And, um, mm-hmm. boy, it sure was fun to play there. <laughs> was
1: it, it, was it was an actual temple at some point?
6: Yeah, yeah, it was. I think it was a, it was a, a, a synagogue It started uh-huh. out. And then it became uh, Jim Jones's uh, – Oh, God. Had a church. Yeah, he had a church okay. there. And then between Jim Jones and when punk rock band started playing, I'm not really sure what happened there. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but it, it was so much fun to play. And, and you know, it was um, it was a nice big stage and, and, and uh, you know, a big room and everyone could wander around and, and beer mm-hmm. and get into all sorts of mischief and everything. And it was it was always fun. I don't think I ever had a bad show there. So, so okay. I, I'm looking forward. We're playing with uh, No Alternative and, um, and I believe uh, some sort of uh, 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 punk rock. Uh,
1: There's uh, um, Buzz Attack uh, is also playing.
6: Yeah, yeah, that's it. So, so um,
3: <laughs> I, I think it's
6: going to be terrific. So between the two events, it's. Um, yeah. Well, they should give me the key to the city that weekend, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <I was laughs> Chip Kim like, yeah. and <laughs>
1: There's a bunch of interesting things happening back to back. Okay, got to clear out my schedule. Got to get ready. <laughs>
6: there you go. There, you, you and everyone else.
1: Yes, yes. You definitely mm-hmm. want to get the word out. So mm-hmm. how did it come about putting the shows together?
6: Well, um, Putting the shows together, uh, Jeffrey Pond came. Uh, he was in Los Angeles, and mm-hmm. uh, he came to a a Fordmatic Ford show that we were doing at um, at, at a mall of all places, and um, at, and. And he came, and uh, and I had met him, of course, back in the day. But you know, it was nice to see him again after all those years. And he yeah. had mentioned that um, he was putting something like that together. And that was before I had any idea that 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 the Dills were going to be back together. And he asked if uh, Ford Maddox Ford would be interested in coming on and playing. And, and mm-hmm. of course, I said yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, between between that show and um, and right now, uh, well, well, uh, my brother Tony, he passed away, yeah. and then, um, and then um, we had the bright idea of putting the bills back together, which was uh, – it, it was kind of odd. It was it, – it, it came together by accident. You know, I had spent – Tony and I had spent 40, 41, 42 years of saying no, 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 we don't. We're not going to do it. You know, no Dill's reunion, no Rank and File reunion, no Blackbird reunion, no Cowboy Nation reunion. You, you know, <laughs> we, we we always moved forward. That's why that's why we had all those bands because we always moved forward. You know, right? We didn't we didn't keep going and going and going on the same thing,
3: mm-hmm. and
6: um, we just simply weren't interested in that. And um, uh, anyway, Ford Motors Ford off, offered a show, and we were unavailable to play it in San Diego, we're unavailable to play because our, our drummer was unavailable. So uh, Giuliano, my, uh, who, my son, who plays guitar for Max Ford, he said, well, why don't, why don't we do it as the Dills? He said, I'll play drums. And uh, the man doesn't play drums. <laughs> and and he said, and I'll bring, I'll bring along Brian, my friend, to play bass. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I thought about it for a second. I said, you know, you don't play drums, you guys are 21, 22 years old, what yeah. could go wrong, let's do it, let's <laughs> do it, you know, that's, that's the best way to start a punk rock band, in fact, that's, right. how, well, yeah. when we did start the Dills, um, our drummer, the one on I Hate the Rich, Buddy 8, he, he'd only been playing drums for two weeks, Oh. So, wow. yeah, so, um, so anyway, so we started rehearsing, and it just sounded terrific. It's you know before I accepted the gig, I said, well, let's get together and play and just make sure you know I, I, I can't embarrass myself. So so we got together and um, it just sounded so good and, and, and those two guys really brought the punk rock. So um, so you know we we started playing and shows have been sold out and it's it's been a, tons of fun. Tons sounds,
1: of fun. sounds like something to look forward to this summer. Gosh, somebody's
6: yeah. right around the corner too. <laughs> yeah. Now, actually, the San Francisco show—it'll be our, our return to San Francisco, and it's uh um it might—it's the last really—it's the last Bill show I have scheduled. We're gonna do <laughs> this month. We're doing punk rock bowling and oh uh, fun. Yeah, and then uh, that same weekend we're playing um, with the Avengers down here at the Echo, a benefit for Jimmy Wilsey's son, nice. um, who is, yeah. And um, and then the show in San Francisco. Then after that, I'm not sure you know how many more Dill shows we'll play. I don't know because it's certainly not anything I want to drive into the ground. So so there's not going to be a whole lot of opportunity to see this, and everyone should come out and see it because it's it's really it's it's, it's punk rock.
1: Absolutely. And do you feel like there's – because it's kind of like the 40th anniversary for that, you know, time period in general. Do you feel like there's kind of a resurgence of that way of thinking, um, you know, do-it-yourself, that kind of thing?
6: Um, There appears to be. There appears to be. um, uh, It's – I'm like – kind of astounded on how many bands there are and, and how good a lot of them are,
3: mm-hmm. you know,
6: um, it's, it's really something I was, uh, I was in a store in San Francisco recently. It was called, what was it mm-hmm. called? Leather and something, or <laughs> I
3: don't
6: know. It was, <laughs>
3: it was called something.
6: Of course. This, of course. Yes, of course. Yeah. And there's this record play and then it was clearly some, you know, some, you know, young, young, you know, I don't know what you call that. They weren't necessarily punk rock band, but it was definitely, right. you know, you know, alternatives. And these guys uh-huh. were, uh, were, were, were trying to, you know, they're just going like, you could tell they were, they were really reaching for something and it was really good. You know, um, mm-hmm. um, um, I feel bad. I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> you know, stop to ask who it was, but, mm-hmm. um, but I, I often hear, you know, I'll walk into places and I'll often hear records of, Clearly, they're young bands on independent labels, and and it's it's just terrific. So, so I'm glad to see that that ethic is just you know it's um, it's part of our culture now. It's really neat. In fact, uh, I'm right now in the process of setting up a a studio, recording studio, in one of my spare bedrooms um, because. I'm going to make, yeah, I know, I got signed to a solo deal, so I decided to make an electronic album, which should be great because I don't play keyboards. I've never played a synthesizer in my life, so <laughs> why not? I'll make an electronic album. Uh, wow, <laughs> that's
3: interesting. Yeah,
6: yeah it's, 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 and, and luckily the record company said, oh, great, make it as weird as you want, so oh, thank you. <laughs> thank nice. you for saying that because I will.
1: That's great. And how did that come about? Was that kind of?
6: Something well, you were um, on? um, not really. Well, well, Ty Siegel covered, um, class war
3: mm-hmm. and,
6: mm-hmm. and, and I had pretty good success with it. And so I went, I went to his, I went to his record company, um, uh, in the red records and I, uh, uh, just to pick up a couple copies of the records and, and meet, uh, uh, you know, Larry Hardy, who runs the label and that sort of thing. And, uh, and i just mentioned to him that hey you know um, you know i, I want to put out a want to put out a, a record and he said well what are you what are you interested in doing i said well I, you know i've been listening to a lot of uh, eno and Kraftwerk, and i think mm-hmm. i want to make some i think i want to make an electronic album he said great i'm in make it as weird as you want Here's a check. <laughs> so, That's like the uh, ideal
1: answer that everybody wants I, I, <laughs> I know.
6: I know. I just throw away going, "Oh yeah,
1: oh yeah,
6: okay, I can do this." So then, of course, I'm going, "Oh my gosh, what have I gotten myself into?" But right. um, hey, hey, but you know what? I got this. I was in Blackbird. I can make a, I can make an electronic album. There you <laughs> go. Yeah,
5: yeah, That's and I serious. think
6: the, and I think the fact that I, I really. Don't know how to play keyboards and I don't know how to play synthesizers. That'll probably work in my favor because because I don't know the you know I, I I don't know the rules. I don't know any of that stuff. So well, so, that's okay. um yeah. So here it comes. It's it's it's, it's a very punk rock attitude, which mm-hmm. brings you back to your 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 question. A very punk rock attitude and do it yourself attitude. It's like yeah, yeah, I can do it. Sure, why not? You know, if uh, <laughs> if if uh, Tangerine Dream can do it, I can do it. Hey.
1: Yeah, they've toured recently, <laughs> didn't they? I think, they were I think so.
6: Yeah, I think they're around. I've I've actually uh, um, it's funny because I've 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 gone out and bought you know some classic uh electronic records just to see you know it's just to get a see what's gone on before. So I went out and got you know switched on Bach and uh, and you know of course a whole bunch of Eno records, the first two mm-hmm. Arsen Music albums and things like nice. that and. Uh, and um Clark Orange soundtrack. Um, this record called uh, electronic music, the beginning and that's that's really my favorite record right now. So everything sounds like the Jetsons. That's really fun.
3: That's kinda fun. Of, oh, that's kinda of, I know. It's, yeah, everything's going, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's kinda
6: of, it's really kinda of fun. It's like Well, that's what the future sounded like in 1961. You know, it's like it's. I know, I know. So I'm going to (laughs) have a lot of fun with. I I think it's going to be kind of a cross between the Velvet Underground and uh, and Craftwork. So what could go wrong? You know.
1: Oh, absolutely.
6: Yeah, yeah, but
1: one of my probably my favorite band of all time. So.
6: Oh sure, (laughs) sure. I mean, I mean, you always come back to them, right? You always do. And. And I I, I just kind of can't get away from, you know, it's like a couple of the chord changes that I've lifted from the velvets I think I've used, and you know, since 1977 in every band I've been in. So, well, you know, the, the heroin chord changes, down not don't, 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 You know, like, Done. <laughs> <laughs> That's it.
1: I feel like the velvets were kind of like the first, Unofficial punk rock band. I mean,
6: well, well, I'm glad you said unofficial because um, uh, you're. I I think you're probably right. You know, with the mm-hmm. attitude and the minimalism and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could. It, it's it, it's funny these days. I I was, well, I was invited to um, a, a screening of of that new punk rock documentary, and um, that I think. Um, I forget which which uh, which TV network put it out, but uh, it's the uh, the Iggy Pop one.
1: Oh but, yeah, uh, I saw the first episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
6: yeah. Well, well, yeah, at the and you know they're all kind of the same, and it it's all okay. just depends on who you talk to. But okay. uh, and you know, and I enjoyed myself though, and and but but people kind of fall all over themselves to say, you're the first punk rock band. Was it MC 5 right. Was it Iggy? Was it yeah. you know, was it, yeah. you know. Um, when, of course, it was with the Ramones. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, uh, but, um, it, but, but, like you said, the unofficial one, yeah. definitely. Velvet Underground, you know, <laughs> definitely. That's right. for sure. In fact, that, that was an interesting event because uh, yeah. uh, Johnny Rotten was on the panel. Oh. Panel discussion afterwards, Uh-oh. and and I was sitting right in front. It was, oh, it was you were. Johnny Rotten. Yeah, it was Johnny Rotten, uh, Henry Rollins, uh, Jeff McKeegan, uh Marky Ramone and, mm-hmm. and 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 I had never met Johnny Rotten before. I'd never even seen him, and they. Uh, 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 I think it's kind of infamous, right? you know, a lot of people know about it, but, but they kind of, they tangle, and Johnny Rogers, mm-hmm. I mean, he talked through the whole thing, and, and I just thought it was incredible, it was like a Sex Pistols concert, and of course a lot of people <laughs> were getting upset, like, oh, what well, other people talk, and I was just thinking, fuck <laughs> you, this is punk rock, I right. thought it was the greatest, the greatest thing, I, one of the greatest things I had ever seen. You know, it was it was really really something and I was like, I'm so glad I was there.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I've I've been able to see. Um, unfortunately, I was too young to catch the Ramones, but I did get to see mm-hmm. the Sex Pistols, and I used to love them. You know, as mm-hmm. a teenager. But as I got older, mm-hmm. I came to appreciate a lot of the bands that came after, like the sure. the Clash, Gang of Four. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, I feel
1: like it was much more democratic But I think in the beginning <laughs> You just kind of You just kind of had to put it out there And see what would happen You know, that, that DIY yeah. Yeah, yeah. But musically Indeed. I think like mm-hmm. the 79 era Like when you guys were around That's when it was kind mm-hmm. of More of a, a transitional Period Musically
6: You know, it. it it was, and, and punk rock is really the last great, you know, you know, movement or expression as far as, like, you know, white rock and roll is concerned. Right. It's, uh, it, 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 it was the last great thing that happened and really shaped everything that that followed. Yeah. And, um... It, it's and and all these years later, I mean, it it still is and and with this with this new resurgence, it's, um, mm-hmm. it's 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 remarkable. You know, it's remarkable the legs that it had. No one no one thought it did at the time. It would at the time. That's why most bands just released you know release the single here and there. Mm-hmm. And never really thought about legacy or you know what's going to happen down the line or, or that sort of thing like, no, future. no because well there's no future <laughs> yeah so why, why would we have lost that and 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 uh thank God that we did put out singles um because you know it, it we left something behind and that's um I and mean, that's turned out to be really um you know as far as as far as public concerns turned out to be mm-hmm. important um, yeah. uh, and I think we were helped by our attitude. The deals, if anybody wanted to make a record, we'd always say, okay. No, we never like questions. We wouldn't go, well, what's the deal? How much money is it? How much, you know, right. what's your distribution like? And we'd just say, okay, make the record. In fact, I think we only ever said um, no once. This, um, this fellow wanted to put out a live record. Mm-hmm. And we said, sure, yeah, go ahead and put it out. And we just totally said, well, make sure you, you know, you just, you know, pay our publishing. You don't have to give us any money up front, but if you sell any records, you know, then give us some money. Um, and and we said, yeah, okay, we can put out the live record. He said, okay, well, I want you to sign this contract. and We said, well, no, we're not going to sign that contract. You, you know, it was, it was just too long and too messy
3: mm-hmm.
6: and He said, no, we're not going to sign it, but you can go ahead and put out the record. And he said, well, I really got to need you to sign this uh, contract. Uh-huh. We kept, we kept saying, no, we're not going to sign the contract. And then finally we said, look, we'll sign the contract if you give us $50,000. <laughs> you know, just oh. to shut him up, right? Right. And, he go, and, and, and the guy freaked out. Oh, but you were the girls. I thought you hate the rich. You want to-, go, well, look, you want, to take, you want to take yes for an answer. Right. So you can put out the record. We're not going to sign up the contract. So, so yeah. you know, bugger off. And uh, I think that was the only time we ended up saying No. After saying yes half a dozen times, oh mm-hmm. my gosh, oh my I gosh, mean, nice. but yeah, but see, we put out three. Well, it's we out one EP and two singles, right? But I think, but I think there's like three albums out now or something like that, and that uh, you know, right. a bunch of live stuff, and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So um, it's uh, it's it's it, it was a good thing. It's I great. I nice.
3: still
1: do.
6: Wow. Yeah.
1: The 40th anniversary, and so we're mm-hmm. going to be seeing you uh, doing a panel with uh, Jane Weedlin and some other mm-hmm. infamous people from that era on July 19th right.
3: at right. the
1: Swedish American Hall, and then we get to see you perform live at Bottom of the Hill on July 20th. I can't wait. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, I about old,
6: old and young. Bring yeah. new kids. So I think it's an all ages show. So bring your kids to you know, show yeah, in Chinatown. In fact, it was a show think, uh, for a benefit for a Chinese elementary school. And um, um, they're all these, like, you know, four, five, six year olds. They're in you know, up front just having, you know, it, having a great time. I <laughs> thought the volume would scare them, but you know, they were just <laughs> it was so much fun.
1: Oh, that's great.
6: Awesome.
1: Yes. All right. Well, it was a pleasure to chat with you.
6: Likewise, likewise. And, um, I'll see you at the show. Yes, I'll be there. Fantastic.
1: All right. Well, I hope you have a great weekend.
6: Thank you. You too. And uh,
1: we'll, uh,
6: see you. we'll see you guys in July.
0: See
1: you in a couple of weeks.
6: <laughs> okay. Bye bye now.
0: Sorry for the. Shitty sound quality. You'd think, with all of these, the time that they've had to freaking make sound quality great, they would figure it out, but no. <laughs> But you know what? We made it fucking work. Um, I have to say the sound quality for this particular app is impeccable compared to some of the other ones. But again, not perfect. But uh, glad that you were able to tune in and you just heard three back-to-back amazing interviews. First one was with Steve from Flipper and they're playing a sold-out show at the Great American Music Hall right here in the this- beautiful city of San Francisco The Next and FrightWig are going to be opening for them so you definitely get your tickets or find another way to get in and also July 19th, this upcoming Friday at Swedish American Hall, uh, you can see Chip Kinman from the Dills, Teresa pleasant Gaiman, Peter Case, and uh, you might know her from the Go-Go's, Jane Weedlin. Uh, they're all going to be discussing uh, some of the stories or possibly ones that you didn't hear in that interview that I did with Teresa and Pleasant. It was a great interview it was kind of o- overwhelming to do because it's there's so much you know to take in but I, w- I wonder if it's going to feel like as great to, to hear it live. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, make sure to get your tickets uh, through Eventbrite for that event. And also did an interview with Chip, and we talked a little bit about um, a solo project he's going to be working on. But you definitely also want to catch him at War Stories July 19th. And July 20th, uh, the Dills will be part of an evening uh Making a tribute to the Temple Beautiful, which was uh, a venue that a lot of punk rock bands that you've heard of uh, played at uh, back in the day. Uh, So you want to get your tickets for that show. Again, that's July 20th at Bottom of the Hill. And wow, what do you guys think? Those were some really great interviews. Um, if you want to continue, um, you know, hearing great content here at Mutiny Radio, uh, just make sure you follow my show on Facebook. It's Uh, The handle is at soundsfromthestreetSF. There is a bit.ly link if you feel inclined to donate. Uh, There will be some merch for sale at some point, but uh, feel free to donate and get in contact. Uh, That way I can send you some swag there. And I'm also on Instagram, at DJ Aisha. And I'm also on Twitter, same handle, at DJ Aisha. And I've been here at Mutiny for almost a decade now, so maybe I should do a tribute show. Shoot! I do have a stage here. Getting some ideas together. We'll see what happens, right? The the next few months here... Um, you know, Mutiny's been here. Uh, we used to be called Pirate Cat Radio, and that was in the late 2000s, believe it or not. So we're kind of one of the oldies but goodies. But it's great to still be here in the mission, uh, supporting local communities, supporting immigrant communities. Um, again, uh, we will happily uh, take donations. Being a community radio station here in the city of San Francisco is not an easy task. <laughs> As you might imagine in this DIY uh, situation that we're in. So feel free to uh, donate to Mutiny, donate to Sounds from the Street, and we'd love to hear your feedback as well. Um, There's going to be some other great interviews uh, coming up over the summer, so you'll definitely want to stay tuned for that. And uh, I just want to play, just play a few songs, (laughs) if possible. Uh, Some of these were inspired by uh, the Burger Boogaloo Festival that just took place uh, last weekend, which was, I don't know, it's always, it's always hard thinking, oh, I can't, I can't top last year because I saw so-and-so, but then every year it's slightly different. And it was the 10th anniversary for Burger Burger Boogaloo, and uh, my friend Johnny and I, we started going to it maybe about five years ago and it's just kind of built a lot of momentum so when they say oh music's you know dead in the bay area it's like you can't be more fucking wrong dude um but yeah, I mean, there's the other festivals like Outside Lands and uh, Treasure Island, but I actually heard that Treasure Island, don't quote me, but I heard it's not going to be happening anymore. So you definitely want to focus less on things like Coachella and focus more on, you know, some of the the smaller happening, up and coming uh, type happenings, if you will. But Burger is uh keeping it real keeping it strong and you never know who else you might be seeing in the next uh next year they're already planning uh the 11th uh happening so (laughs) definitely keep your fingers crossed for some there are some great uh bands listed on their facebook page I'm one of those people that's like, well, it would be great to get off of Facebook, but there's, there's certain things about it. Like when it comes to what bands should play at Burger Boogaloo, I mean, people aren't going to necessarily post that on their website. They're going to do it on social media. So it's like, oh, I want to be, a I couldn't sleep on last Sunday. Cause I was thinking like, who do I want to see? Who do I want to see? And I don't know if anybody else does that, but that's why I do what I do, guys. I just can't sleep till I write shit down or say it on the air. But, um, I hope you guys enjoyed those interviews. Um, it was, um, an amazing task. I realize that now. And, uh, again, I guess we'll move forward with this playlist.